Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. We've been starting to see on the market these heat pump dryers. And those are kind of interesting um, because you don't have to vent many of them outside because they capture the heat and put it back into it so you're not exhausting all that hot air outside. Now what they're doing is they're taking that heat, leaving it in the drum, but it's pulling the humidity out of the air and then it's catching the lint inside so it's not actually spending that uh, and kicking that outside. So one, you don't have the dryer energy that you're spending. Two, you don't have to worry about the lint in the duct. And three, it's going to save you a fair amount of money. So when it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you coming. This is Around the House. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, this segment is brought to you by Root Quencher and RootQuencher.com. If you have trees, bushes, shrubs, and you want to water them and not waste water, put it down where the roots are. And that's with RootQuencher.com. Well, today I wanted to talk about, in this episode, some of the controversy that's been going around with the EPA, and that's the Environmental Protection Agency, and them trying to change how we purchase appliances here in the U.S., And they have been making some serious changes and proposed changes that are happening across the board that are going to affect, I think, everything from ranges to water heaters to gas appliances. There's a lot of things going around, and I wanted to kind of dive into the nuts and bolts of it so you can understand what's going on. And so the one that hit the news this last week was basically water heaters that are electric, how they're going to change over to heat pump. And you know something? First off, I get it. I love heat pump water heaters because they save you a ton of money. But here is where the issues are going to come up. Because if I go over to, let's say I jump over to Home Depot, for instance, and this is where it starts to add up a little bit. A water heater over there for a really just a basic electric, you know, 50 gallon is, you know, 400 to 600 bucks for a, a decent one. 400 being the cheapest, 600 being a little bit better. And that's for, you know, home center water heater. But the problem is if you go over to a heat pump, which I'm a huge fan of because they just outperform on all fronts, you're looking at 1700 to 2500 bucks. So there is a huge difference for price. And where I think I have a problem with them legislating, and even though it's going to pay for itself really quickly, I think people, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith that are in their 80s, that the water heater is dying, and they can't afford $1,700 to $2,500, or they can barely afford the four to $500 for the water heater, let alone what has to be done for the install. And so this is where we have problems with affordability. And I get this because I'm a super big fan of all of this energy efficient stuff when it makes sense, guys. 
Like for me, I'm saving a couple hundred bucks a year with my heat pump water heater heating 80 gallons versus my gas water heater that was doing 40 gallons and running out of water. So there's where the issues are. And that's one of those things where things get into trouble when it comes to costs. But it pays for itself quickly. It's that initial investment. All right, so let's get into the reasoning of why we're having issues here. And this is kind of an important one. Here's the thing. The government loves to save electricity because it's cheaper than having to create more. So when you look at the electric utilities out there and those kind of things, these are the things that really make a difference because if they can save it, that's electricity they don't have to generate later. So it's cheaper for them to do that. So that's why they're trying to force these more energy efficient appliances because for them, it's cheaper than it is to turn around and do it any other way. So that's one of them. And there's no question here they're wanting to remove natural gas from the marketplace. That's not a secret. Uh, That's something that is a goal right now. Um, And here's where the issue comes up is that there are zero price guarantees that electricity is going to be a low-cost option down the road. And I don't know, I've never seen it when eliminating competition saves you money. That competition of the electrical companies and the gas companies fighting to be more efficient and to give you more value. Because here's the thing, if, if gas is out there as an option, right? and you have a gas water heater, a gas furnace, and all of a sudden electricity rates go up 10 times, I'm not saying they will, but we don't know that, right? Then all of a sudden electricity, they lose customers because, or they lose a lot of customers. They're not going to lose all customers, but they can turn around and say, hey, I think I'm going to move my furnace over to natural gas. I'm going to go to a dryer that's natural gas. I'm going to go gas water heater. And I'm going to get away from these high electricity rates. Well, when you get rid of all of that competition, now that's really kind of stuck to where that is. And so that's where that can get kind of interesting. So that is something that is, to me, a big concern. Now, here's the other issue that I see with this that I think is a challenge. So we're trying to get rid of all the different gas appliances in the house. So the ranges is a big one. And you've heard me talk about it, but I'm going to cover it here. You know, if you're going to add an induction range, because that's the only range they're going to sell you. So if they say, hey, we're going to eliminate gas ranges, we're going to eliminate a regular electric burner cooktop, this can actually cost as much as an additional $1,000 to change over because one, you have the induction range is more money than a standard gas range. And two, you might have to go out and buy pans because let's talk about for a minute how electric induction works. It's a great system. It has been around for decades. I mean, GE was selling these units in the United States in the late 90s because you could actually buy an electric uh, induction cooktop back then because it's been in Europe for decades. So it's not new technology. It's just new to the U.S. And yes, it's more efficient than gas. It puts more heat to the pan than gas, and you use more of the energy that you're burning, of course, than gas. So it's, it's, it's a much better way to go. But what it does is it takes these particles that are iron in the pan and accelerates them 
and that creates heat. So what does that heat do that cooks right from the pan? So I can turn a induction range on. I can sit a piece of printer paper down on top of it and put a stock pot on top of it and boil water and have a, and you know, have some crabs. And that's okay because it doesn't hurt the paper. So the only thing with the cooktop that makes it easy to clean is the cooktop's only getting hot from contact from a hot pan. It's not getting, it's not being what transfers the heat. But the problem is, is that if you have all aluminum pans and there's no iron or anything in there for those, there's no particles, then it won't work. It doesn't know that pan's there. So you have to have pans that a magnet will stick to because those are the only ones that work. So for somebody else, they might have to turn around and spend three or 400 bucks on an inexpensive pan set to be able to cook with. So you have more for the range. And then, of course, you have more for the cookware as well. Now, that isn't as big a deal as like what you're talking about with the water heaters and stuff, but it's something that adds up. And so if you are going to force people to have less options for this stuff, I'm going to highly suggest that the government picks up some of those tabs. And I want to see some options to make sure that we have our prices locked in on electricity. Because I don't want to see us all of a sudden, and they're like, ha, gotcha. And with there no electricity standards out there for pricing, I could see that being a problem. And so it's something that I think um, it's a conversation we should all be having. I mean, I love my electric utility here. They do a great job for me. They're easy to work with. I have no problems with them. But as a national policy, I would like to see our government helping out people that need it. Because this is going to get expensive for them if they're forced into doing it. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk more about washing machines just as soon as Around the House returns. through information and education. We've been talking about how the EPA is changing how you use and purchase your appliances with some of these new rules that are coming out. And, you know, it's a, it's a hot topic, and I thought we would address it at least in a couple segments here. Uh, before we get to that, though, I wanted to say, hey, if you want to find out more about us, head over to AroundTheHouseOnline.com for the website, and then you can find the videos there for my Around the House Northwest television show. We've got hundreds of videos now up there. And uh, for you to take a look at, there's a lot of great Made in America stuff in there. And uh, boy, lots of projects, lots of new products as well. So that is a, uh, a plethora of information for you out there. Well, we've been talking here about, uh, you know, government appliances. And one thing that I see coming up here, uh, and it's due to come out here in the next few months, I believe, is they are getting ready to go after dishwashers and washing machines. Now, if I remember correctly, the previous administration had changed and loosened those rules for dishwashers. And now I see around the corner, we are going to see the death of the top load washing machine. 
those are about ready to go away. So if you are a fan of them, that I would go out and uh, maybe go spend the money on the Speed Queen or whatever that's going to last you 20 years. And if that's what you want to get, now's going to be the time before they tell you no here in a number of months. Because of the energy usage and they're trying to reduce hot water. So what they're going to do is go from using 50 gallons in a load to probably closer to 12 to 16 gallons in a load. So the front load washing machine will be the new law of the land coming up. And uh, I expect to see that here by the end of the year. It could be a little later. That keeps moving. I've predicted this for a couple years that uh, this was coming. And I think we're finally getting to that point where they're going to make those go away. So fair warning for all you friends out there and listeners and colleagues. If you are one of those people, then it's coming around the corner. Now, I have always been a fan of them only because they are easier on my clothes. My clothes get cleaner. And it's saving me money on on water. And the other thing, too, is is that uh, the big common thing is, oh, I don't want the moldiness in there. Guess what? If you haven't taken your top load machine apart and it's been there for 10 years and you haven't cleaned the inside drum on that, you've got scum buildup and nastiness in there as well. So uh, it will be there. You just don't see it. But really, the new washing machines have, uh, most of the good ones have a steam clean or a clean feature on them that gets them really clean. You don't have to worry about it. Ours tells us when it needs to happen, and I can put it through. I throw some of the Tide uh, washing machine cleaner in there and run it through the cycle, and uh, fresh and clean as new, you don't have to worry about it. So that's one of the things. But anyway, I'd be very careful out there. We're going to see that coming up. Um, and I think you're going to see them really dive into that. I think another one that we're going to see coming up here too, uh, is you're going to see another round probably on refrigeration as well, because we're seeing that with the heat pumps. Um, I think though, we're starting to see here, I think on dryers, this is one I think that's going to come up. We've been starting to see on the market, these heat pump dryers. And those are kind of interesting, um, because you don't have to vent many of them outside because they capture the heat and put it back into it so you're not exhausting all that hot air outside. Now what they're doing is they're taking that heat, leaving it in the drum, but it's pulling the humidity out of the air, and then it's catching the lint inside, so it's not actually spending that uh, and kicking that outside. So one, you don't have the dryer energy that you're spending. Two, you don't have to worry about the lint and the duct. And three, it's going to save you a fair amount of money. So I have not used one of them yet. It's on my list of things to try out. But uh, I think that that is going to be something that is going to be very important moving forward on on saving some electricity because that dryer is really creating a lot of heat. And anything like that that's creating heat and throwing it outside, um, that could be something that down the road could be more beneficial for everyone. And I do like that that is an emergent technology that has been around for a while. And I think more dryers will go to it. And uh, I think it'll also potentially have less dryer fires that way as well, as long as you maintain that machine. So we'll see what happens with that. It's something that I'm uh, very um, hopeful about as far as saving people money and uh, creating something that uh, was better for the environment anyway. So I don't like all that heat and lint coming out of the house. Uh, so if there's a way to capture that and not have to spend all that air outside the house, it's not a bad thing. So we'll see what happens. Now, there is one more thing that's out there that we're starting to see as well. And this has been going on quietly for a number of years. 
But the EPA and states have been going after wood-burning appliances like your fireplace and things like that. And so a lot of this is state by state. But, you know, you think about it, the EPA has governed uh, the manufacture and sale of wood stoves and certain wood-burning fireplace inserts built after 1988. And so the EPA came out with their um, regulatory actions for residential wood heaters which now falls under the Clean Air Act. And that's another one of those issues that we have to talk about. And so here's what's happened. So there's lots of different state actions and things like that. Great example, here in my state of Oregon, and I'm familiar with this, the uh, Oregon Department of Environmental Quality has authority to operate and enforce um, solid fuel heating. So here's what happens. The sale and installation of uncertified wood stoves are prohibited. When you sell a house, all used uncertified solid fuel burning devices other than cook stoves that are in or on the property must be removed and destroyed. And uh, the DEQ has a heat smart program available for those buying and selling wood stoves. But really, that is where the ban hits the road right there. Now, There are, like Idaho, for instance, does a pretty good job of this. They have a, uh, uh, the state of Idaho, they offer taxpayers uh, who buy new wood stoves, pellet stoves, or natural gas or propane heating units, a tax deduction to replace old uncertified wood stoves. So that's kind of cool. You know, they've also got that um, in Colorado where they have regulations on uh, right advisories, mandatory residential burning restrictions generally apply to uh, the seven-county Denver-Boulder metro area, below 7,000 feet. So there's a lot of different places out there where you have to watch each individual law, but that's kind of where this stuff steps in, and it's something that we need to pay a little bit more attention to because as they tighten these things down, um, I'm, I'm very concerned that we're going to see Um, more of these get banned. And I get that we're trying to keep the the air clean. Don't get me wrong. I'm just concerned about people that have that mountain cabin, that that is the, you know, the way they heat it, that uh, plenty of people um, as emergency heat have wood stoves and fireplaces, that when the power is out, that that's going to happen. And trust me, as we see, we are going to see more mandatory safety shutdowns of the electrical grid with wildfires and windstorms and things like that coming up. All right, we'll be back after these important messages. Time to go out to break. We'll be right back with more Around the House. Welcome back to the Around the House show. This is where we help you get the most out of your home through information and education. Well, we've been talking about the EPA getting involved in 
appliances, and there's been a lot of misinformation out there. And uh, I just want to make sure that we kind of keep it on track with uh, what's real and what's not. And, you know, I'm going to say this, and, and this is factual here, not only in my personal opinion, but there's facts that back it up. That if you look at the stove issue where, you know, the proposed ban or the assumed plan to ban gas cook stoves has been a discussion. Now, there are areas that are trying to ban them, so don't get me wrong. But as far as the national side, they are currently saying officially that there is no plan to ban them. But uh, other states and cities are already doing that. We're now seeing other states come in and fight this. So there was an AP News story that I saw a few weeks ago that said 10 states plan to sue the EPA over standards for residential wood-burning stoves. And so this is going to be interesting. So um, this was uh, from July 2nd, uh, AP News story. Attorney General from 10 states planned to sue the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, saying its failure to review and ensure emission standards for residential wood-burning stoves has allowed the continued sale of appliances that could worsen pollution. So if newer wood heaters do not meet cleaner standards, then programs to change out old wooden heaters may provide little health benefits at a significant public cost, the states wrote. And that's uh, they gave a 60-day notice of intent to sue. So the states involved are Alaska, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, as well as uh, the Puget Sound Clear, Clean Air Agency. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with these uh, northern states getting ready to go down this road. So, of course, EPA did not uh, comment on any um, pending litigation, and nor will they. But uh, a lot of these things here, like we talked about, are going to have a longer time to play out because these things don't happen quickly. This can take four or five years to play out. And... You know, uh, it's interesting. So we'll just keep an eye on this, and I'll, uh, as I see things update, we will see what happens. Well, there's another topic I want to dive into. This has been kind of interesting, and it's one of those things that I think it's worth mentioning because I tell you what, carpenter bees can be an interesting one. And I was actually out working, getting ready for a segment, and I went, oh, cool, bumblebees are out. And then I saw it land, and I went, oh, no, that is not a bumblebee. That is a carpenter bee. And so I started watching. I, you know, put my stuff away and said, okay, where are these things going? And sure enough, it was going underneath, um, kind of by the edge of my house in the old wood deck that I'll be replacing one of these years. And so, uh-oh. And so I've been dealing with trying to eradicate the carpenter bees because I don't want it chewing up either my siding, my house, or anything else. So right now, this time of year is a great time to really kind of dive in and take a look at what is going on in your house. Do you have rodents, pests? So we're going to talk a little bit about this stuff and making sure that you've got things taken care of. So carpenter bees is one of the ones that can be really um, create a bunch of damage. And that's something to be, you know, careful with. And I've been dealing with this one. I think I've got it managed. If not, I'm going to have to bring in a professional because on some of these pest control things, there's only so much you can do. And at some point, without me opening that up and, and getting in there, I'd much rather have a professional come do that. So that's really going to be up to you. 
But another one that I've been chasing around my house right now is previous carpenter ant damage. Now, and this is where it gets interesting because carpenter ants and how you can tell the big carpenter ants, those are the big black, you know, like tiny sugar ants are one thing. These are like the big monster ants that are big and they're big fatties. You know what I mean? They've got a big body to them. And that's what those are. And my house being from the 70s has had significant damage in certain areas over the years. And that damage is directly related to moist areas where I had water issues. And so if I had siding 30 years ago that hadn't been caulked and it got rain back in there, guess what? That's where that issue is. And so I've been finding as I'm remodeling areas that are soft on the exterior, sure enough, there's a old carpenter ant nest that was in there. And so as I've been pulling the siding off the front of the house, I have found multiple areas that need to be repaired from uh, that damage. And so these are things that you should be really keeping an eye out. If you see a carpenter ant at your house, this is one of those things that I strongly recommend that you start taking a look and seeing where it's going. And follow it as best you can. Look and see. Because if they are in a wood pile in your backyard or if they're at a neighbor's house, you know, those things can have a secondary nest 50 to 100 feet away pretty quickly. And um, the last thing you need to do is have it nesting in your house and creating a big, big mess. So they can do significant damage. And again, something really to watch out for. And some of the tricks that I recommend for that is a lot of the same things that I say with wildfires and things like that. Make sure that you don't have any brush up against the house. Making sure that the trees and everything are well away from stuff. And that you've got a few inches between the ground and the first piece of wood on your house. So make sure you got three or four inches in there at least. And that will sure help keep that clean and uh, make it less likely that the carpenter ants will go into your house and start exploring. Because let me tell you what, I can't tell you how much damage I have uh, around my house. I mean, uh, as I keep pulling stuff off uh, on the areas where there's no overhangs, um, probably every 15 or 20 feet, I'm finding some small little bit of damage. So going to be interesting to see how much more I find that as I go. But I think it's going to be one of those things that uh, is going to be an issue. Now, another one that I want to make sure that you're doing, and, and, you know, pest control is one of those things that a lot of people think that they can do it as a DIY project. But I tell you what, it's my opinion that if you are an area that has termites and things like that, that can do significant damage, then what I'm going to say is make sure that you're on a maintenance program to make sure people are coming by and looking. Because if you have somebody that is crawling in your crawl space, going through the attic, making sure that you don't have any signs of termites and things like that, that little bit you pay a year for them to double check that and to maintain it is going to save you a ton of money versus having to do some significant you know, remodeling to repair that damage. I can't tell you how many times I've seen homes that literally have been just ghosted in the maintenance side of things and have had pest damage for 20, 30, 40 years that pretty much are better to be knocked down than they are to be, you know, remodeled and put back together. So even my house that was not maintained well for 20 plus years, it has signs of damage and we're not even in termite country where termites can really be an issue. 
if I was living down south, uh, California, Texas, some of these other areas where where um, these pests can be a bigger issue, I think having that testing done regularly is good for your investment. And I know right now when things are tight and uh, that can be expensive, but um, you know having somebody come out every six months if it's potentially a problem or every year could be something that uh, really saves you a ton. And when we come back here, I want to talk about rodents for a little bit as well. Because again, this is one of those things that uh, people tend to miss. And if you see one, there's a dozen. And uh, we'll talk about that when I come back. Because again, that's another one of those big issues that can, that can really hurt the healthiness of your home and your quality of life. And just because you have a cat doesn't mean that you don't have rodents popping around. So if you want to find out more about us here before we got to break, let me tell you, head over to aroundthehouseonline.com. Make sure you hit us up on Facebook and you can find us over there. Plus our Around the House Nation closed group on Facebook. Around the House, we'll be right back after these important messages. Don't go anywhere. around the house show yeah this show's been going on for 35 plus years right now and uh, we've been having a great time doing it hopefully we'll have another 35 plus years out of this to go so we have got a lot of show coming up here and in this last segment i wanted to continue talking about rodents around your house and some of the things that i'd be watching out for and as you're active and we start moving towards the fall months these are things that uh, i want you to make sure that you're spending the time where the weather's good that you've got this dialed in. And, uh, you know, mice, if you've got them in a shed, if you've got them in the basement, if you've got them like that, um, spend the time. If you can't get them with a couple traps, then um, I will give you my best suggestion is bring in the professionals. There are times that you can sit there and spend months trying to get them under control and then you bring the pros in, and by the time you bought all the little things, spent a little bit of your time, um, the pros can do a much better job and have more resources than most people do. So let them be the experts and get a company to come in. And uh, I'm always a fan of the private companies out there. There's a lot of chains out there, but uh, I love the ones that are really experts in your neighborhood. And uh, some of those family-run companies are the ones that really have the best reviews and do that. So, again, watch out for that and uh, make sure that uh, another month or two, they're going to really start working their way inside in many places across the U.S. And that's one thing to take a look at. Now, another thing that I want you to watch out for here as well are those hornet and wasps that are outside. And if you're out having the barbecue and you've got around a bunch around you, take a look and find a trap that works in your area. Now, I'll tell you what, I have some of the three-in-one traps that work great in my state where I'm at, but I can go over and use that on the other side of the country, and they work horribly. So if you want to find something that's going to work good, do your research and find out what works for the bugs that are in your area. Because my trap, if I have an infestation of you know hornets and wasps, 
man, that thing will fill up in days and I'll have it completely under control. And I've used it in other parts of the country and had very mixed results. So uh, do some research, talk to your local, uh, uh, you know, exterminator, find out what they like to use, what's good, ask around and see what traps work well in your area. And that's how you're going to get those completely under control. And so do a walk around your house. This is the time of year, I'd say probably once or twice in a month, do a walk around and start looking and see if you've got, um, you know, hornets, wasps, the spiders are going to start coming out. I'm a little less worried about the spiders. And I know people hate the spiders in their house, but guess what? Those are also good for taking care of a lot of the other issues that we have out there with some of the other bugs. So a little bit of spiders outside are good. Probably just don't want to get those inside because uh, that's what tends to freak some people out. And if you've got the poisonous ones, yeah, you need to get rid of those as quickly as possible. So that's enough about pest control here. And the last one I want to talk about before we run out of time in this segment is that uh, if you're starting a home improvement project here in the next week or two, please pay attention to what's going on with UPS. UPS is getting ready to go on strike. And if this happens, you are going to see what? 40% probably of our shipping capacity for parcels in this country shut down. And if you have a box with a faucet coming or something else, that's going to be an issue. And I'll be the first to say FedEx has been a pretty horrible shipping experience for me. And I'll say that and sorry, FedEx, but uh, um, I have had so many times that the box gets delivered to the wrong house. It shows up damaged. Looks like it's been through a lawnmower. Um, I've had it sit on a truck for three or four days saying it's out for shipment. Um, they did open up another hub in my area, which has improved it greatly. So they are making improvements, but, uh, between that and uh, USPS, I see those are going to be our two big options right now. So think about how those materials are going to be showing up at your house. And you think about that, this could be even, you know, I've had Amazon packages show up from UPS. And so you're going to see FedEx get buried and you're going to see Amazon become a pretty good option for ordering materials. And I'll be honest, I I am not the biggest Amazon fan, but I have bought some building materials there and it has saved me a significant amount of money. Like right now in the home improvement stores in my area, if I go buy electrical wire, it is much cheaper to sit there and get it over at Amazon versus Home Depot or Lowe's. It just is. It saves you a ton of money. It's 20% cheaper in my area. And I think that's because uh, of all the wire thefts that they have marked it up to cover the cost of that because they're losing so much. I mean, if I walk into my store, I have to find somebody to track it down and unlock the cage just to get me wire just because so much of it has been getting stolen. But I tell you what, this is kind of where we're at. So pay attention to where you know, how those materials are coming. I think we're going to see some big issues here with the UPS strike. And this is something that could get negotiated or even by the time this airs on the radio, it could be negotiated. Uh, but this is one of the things that I want to make sure that uh, that we've got this under control because uh, if you are expecting stuff, um, you know, the, the Teamsters are saying, hey, they're getting ready to, um, to go on strike, then... Uh, that 340,000 people who work there at UPS um, could be an issue. So let's keep an eye on that and make sure that uh, 
the things you're ordering are going to show up when you need them. And so, uh, like I was saying before, if you have a remodeling project coming up and you are ordering things, make sure that you give yourself another week or two so that you know that these things are going to show up on time and that you're going to stay on track because things will start to come apart pretty quickly. I just want to make sure you're aware that uh, UPS, if they go down uh, for strike, there is not going to be a way for the other people to pick up the pick up the slack on that. So that will be an issue, and uh, you'll now be looking around for local stuff that is in stock. So uh, be prepared. I'm not going to get into the uh, arguments of uh, how people are being treated and what the UPS says and Teamsters. That's not the place of this show. But uh, as a consumer, I just want you to make sure that you are planning ahead for what's to come if this is going to be something that happens. That strike is going to shut down a lot of projects because people are always waiting on parts. You know, the other day I was having a great discussion with a buddy of mine, and I thought, you know, I'm going to bring this up in the show on Saturday on the weekend because this is an important topic, and some areas are different than others, but like... I can go into an area that uh, I have friends or family in and I'll notice that, man, there are a lot of storage units around, like more than most, right? You see them, you're like, wow, there's a storage unit on every corner. And then I was talking to a buddy who has had two storage units for 10 years and this stuff really starts to add up. So being that we're just getting ready to roll into August, I'm going to recommend for any of you out there that have so much things in stuff or that lack of storage that you can't haul it at your house. And if you're a hoarder, this is a whole other story or you're dealing with, you know, properly said hoarding disorder, then that of course needs medical treatment. But if you have too much stuff that you're having to store in storage units, I want you to sit there and do the math. And I know this is tough. But take the last five years that you've had that storage unit. Some of you probably had it for 20 or 30 or more. Add up what that cost is. Between now and when the weather turns, you might be able to build a great shed that you can eliminate those storage fees. Two, you might be able to eliminate some of that stuff because, you know, let's say you're spending two or 300 bucks a month. That ends up being thousands of dollars and you can either build a shed or get rid of some of it because I'll tell you what, most people, and I'm going to say most because there's plenty of exceptions, but most people by year five have paid more for storage than what the materials they were storing were worth. Literally five years ago, you were better to go throw it away and go buy new it would have cost you less money. So do some thinking about what you have in your storage unit. Think of what that's costing you right now. And maybe it's a smart idea to turn around and build a shed at your house that you're not paying for. I mean, you'll pay for the shed, but you're not going to pay to rent it so that your costs are all up front, but there's no cost beyond that. So take some time and really think about how that's going to play out. Because this could save you thousands of dollars in the future, especially if your significant other is one of those that really has, you know, a clutter problem and they like to store it in other places. Maybe making that go away could save you thousands of bucks. Round the house, we'll be right back for hour number two, just as soon as we return. Don't go anywhere. 
Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.